1: that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I wanna be. You just want to make
0: sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. Knocked so out. your
1: only choice
0: should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Care of Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Dinah Trout, who is the co-founder and chief mission officer of HealthAid. And if you are not familiar with HealthAid, Then you have been living under a rock, and you should definitely go to your local wonderful store and pick it up. Dinah started brewing kombucha while she was back in college at Tufts University, and after getting her master's in both nutrition and public health, she developed her own personal philosophy that health is less about science and more about what makes you feel good and happy. I totally agree. Fast forward a few years, she decided to take her idea and philosophy to all. And with her co-founders, husband, Justin Trout, and best friend, Vanessa Dew, decided that it was time to launch her idea. So Hellfade was created and with a commitment to brewing the best tasting and highest quality kombucha on the market. So Dinah is the co-founder and chief mission officer, and I just can't even wait for you to hear her incredible story. Um, She's super, super awesome, I have to say, as a founder and somebody who has grown a brand in the beverage industry. There aren't very many women in this industry either that are sort of sitting at that seat, so I really, really appreciate everything that she's done to found this company and grow this business and scale it, etc. So anyway, very thrilled. So
1: welcome Dinah, how are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me, Kara.
0: Absolutely. So let's start at the beginning. First of all, I would love in your words to hear what is Health Aid? If you ran into somebody on the street saying, you know I don't know
1: what Health Aid is, what is it? Well, Health Aid is a company that makes bubbly delicious drinks that are good for your gut. We're most famous for our kombucha. Our kombucha is a bubbly, delicious treat. It's fermented tea. So it's naturally rich in things like probiotics, prebiotics, and organic acids or postbiotics. And these things all support gut health. And the reason you care about that is gut health basically is connected to every aspect of health, Um, not just digestion, as you might think or expect, but also immunity, energy, metabolism, inflammation, you name it, sleep. And so fermented foods are sort of like a superfood for the gut. Kombucha is one of the strongest ones. We think we make the best one on the market. So that's how you might know us. But that's a little bit about kombucha. If you haven't had it, it's bubbly. It's a little tart. It's a little sweet. It's delish. I have one every day at 3 p.m. Why 3 p.m.? I'm curious. You know, everybody's got their own time for when they drink kombucha. I have like definitely have like a 3 p.m. slump almost every day. I don't know. Between lunch and dinner, I just like have this thing that happens at three where I'm like a little bit low on energy. I want a snack. I I don't know. I'm like getting distracted. Um, and I just find that's like the perfect time for me to have this sort of cold, crisp, bubbly drink that like wakes me up a bit and somehow... Gets me through to dinner without even like like it just totally pivots that energy. But a lot of people love it, you know, with lunch or in the morning. There's really no right time or wrong time to have it. A lot of people do it in, instead of drinking wine or beer, uh, you know, over dinner. That's just what I do it. Obviously, this didn't happen overnight.
0: We heard no, no. that you were in, you went to university, and then you. Did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur? I mean, you're getting your master's in nutrition, but did you think that this was what you were going to end up doing?
1: No, not at all. Yeah, you know, I learned how to make uh, kombucha, as you had said, in graduate school where I was studying nutrition. And there, it's easy to be a nerd about food, you know, because that's all you're studying. I thought then I was going to be in academia. I was actually doing my PhD at the time in nutritional biochemistry. Studying probiotics and their impact on health. I was working mostly with rats, which it turns out didn't go well with my personality. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, "This cannot be my life." Even though I'm really fascinated about food and nutrition, and I love healing f- with food, cooking with food, f- you know, f- eating food with others. Like food is is like a passion of mine. And healthy food, like whole healthy foods. That's a passion of mine. Even though all of that was true, the reality day to day of working in the lab was like not aligning with that. So mm-hmm. um I actually moved out of the PhD program, finished with two masters in, in its place, and sort of moved into what can I do where I combine people and food together? And at first I I approached public health as sort of a career choice, but I learned it was very difficult to change behaviors of populations, and there's very little funding there. I had two private uh, school degrees to pay off, and it just wasn't going to work. How
0: often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Rosetta Stone works, and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer, and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year.
1: So I actually got like a corporate job um, at a pharmaceutical company, which is really you know, not what you'd expect given my background, but they were looking for nutritionists um, because they had just launched a sort of arm of their company that had pharmaceutical grade nutraceuticals or like, so specifically they had launched uh, an omega-3 that was like really strong and it was, it was for triglycerides. But anyway, they wanted to bring nutritionists on that could help essentially write the marketing and help sell the product. Um, and so it, it did actually make a little bit of sense for me to take that job. And so that was my first job and the only job I had before starting HealthAid. So it was a good 10 years after I learned how to make kombucha that I started HealthAid. So the first
0: days, maybe you're working at this pharmaceutical company while you're incubating Health Aid mm-hmm. in your kitchen.
1: Is that kind of where it started? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a cooler story than that. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning because it's a testament to the importance of of agility and and being willing to pivot. So Justin, you had mentioned Justin and Vanessa were both co founders. That uh, Justin was my husband, Vanessa's my best friend, and Justin was working on the side. He was a, he's a musician, but he was working on the side um, just to make some ends meet um, for an entrepreneur who had a lot of success selling a hair loss product. Hmm. You know, the product itself wasn't even that effective, but yet he was so successful. And Justin was like, man, imagine if we made something that was effective. And me being a believer that like food can cure all things, I said, there's got to be something out there, food derived that can stop hair loss or help slow it down. And so the three of us got to working on what will regrow hair. And we found in all parts of the world, in particular Asia, people using the culture that you make kombucha with. So you might not know about fermentation, but just as a quick side note, to ferment tea, you have to add a culture to it. And that culture then transforms the tea into a new liquid. And that new liquid's kombucha. And, um, a weird sort of byproduct of that whole process is it makes another culture. So you have this culture you started with, and then you have the baby culture, if you will. And now you have two cultures from which you can make two kombuchas with, and then you have four and 16 and so on and so forth. Hmm. So if you started making kombucha at home, you'd have more cultures. They're also called Scobies if you're in the world of kombucha, but you'd have more cultures and you'd know what to do with. Um, and I, of course, had made kombucha for 10 years, right? So I was, you know, well aware of this. Anyway, we find in the world of the internet that people are using this culture on the head to regrow hair. And that somehow this this culture has some potency in it to who knows, maybe increase the, you know, integrity of the cells. Who, who knows what it's ac- exactly doing? But people were reporting increased hair growth after putting this scoby on the head.
0: And this is I'm wild. Like, well, I've never heard Scobies.
1: this. This is wild. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I know how to make scobies, you know, and we didn't have any money. We didn't have experience in business, but we did feel really sort of like we had this angle of like, Hey, we can make a hair loss product made out of kombucha scobies that actually works. And so that prompted me to start making a lot of kombucha because I needed to make those cultures. And we were going to use Justin as our Guinea pig because his hair was starting to thin. So it was perfect. That's hysterical. Um, And we were going to save the world from baldness. Um, Anyway, you know, we made so much kombucha, it was taking over our apartment. We thought it was like, you know, this byproduct. I mean, I always made terrific kombucha, so I never threw it out. Um, But basically, three weeks down the road, we got a, a, a call from a friend of Vanessa's who ran a farmer's market, and she was trying to integrate more packaged goods into her farmer's market and not just have farmer's goods. So she called us saying, hey, I know you, is your hair loss thing done like yet? Because we would love to have that at the farmer's market. And we just said yes, um, even though we didn't have a product yet, uh, but we figured we would get one in three weeks by the time she needed us. Long story short is we didn't develop a product in three weeks and we were sort of like, oh shoot, how are we going to, you know, figure this out? We already said yes to the farmer's market, um, but we had all this kombucha. Mm-hmm. Right. We had made cases and cases of it. So we decided let's hand label these. Uh, we're going to go out there, give it our best shot and let's just see how it goes. Um, and I think the, the contract for the farmer's market was for three months. So we had three months of kombucha. We went out there. We gave it our best shot. We called it health aid. We literally scotch tape labels on there because we were pretty broke. I had mentioned Justin was a musician. I had a pretty good job, but I was still relatively entry level. And I had to cover the two of us in very expensive Los Angeles. So like we didn't have any extra, you know? What year was this, um, by the way? This was 2012. So we started in the farmer's markets and it's just like the farmer's market had a totally different story for us. People loved our kombucha. We sold the shit out of it. I mean, we, nobody could walk through this farmer's market without trying our kombucha. We wouldn't allow it. You know, I made sure, you know, Vanessa Major, we all just had it covered. It's hysterical. And we were introducing most people to kombucha for the first time, but some we were converting. And the farmer's markets just became a roaring success. And it was very clear after two two months that we had something. And we weren't expecting it to be something, right? We still thought the real business was in hair loss. Um, but that, that summer told us something different. It told us consumers wanted kombucha. It told us we were good at selling it. It told us we had landed on a, on a good name with a product. And, and so we, we ditched the hair loss idea and we quit our jobs and we went full force with kombucha first at the farmers markets and we did farmers markets only for the first year. I mean, it was crazy hard work, but and we were broke because, of course, our jobs were now gone. And um, the money that we made at the farmer's markets, we didn't have any extra. We had to put it into making the next batch of kombucha for the following farmer's market. Um, So it was a crazy first few years. Oh, my gosh.
0: So you talked about not having the money to put uh, the labels on. You were relying on Scotch tape and doing all of that. At what point did you go out and raise money then?
1: Yeah, we raised money relatively um, early, at least from private equity, quite early. Luckily, we made a buzz a little bit. We had a little buzz around health aid, I think, because the farmers markets in Los Angeles in particular are um, you know, a constant thing. It's a little bit of a press often will snapshot celebrities and stuff at farmers markets. So we actually had like quite a few celebrity moments already with our kombucha. I think that helped. But regardless, we we caught the attention early on of private equity and we were inexperienced. And this is something I think I learned and I would do differently next time. But um, we were a little inexperienced about cash. And by the time we realized we needed it, we were a little late (laughs) for it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, our credit card was canceled. It was like, oh, we can't even meet these orders. Uh, shoot, what are we going to do? So we, we we started to reach out to friends and family for cash, but we needed it fast, like 30 days, you yeah. know? Um, and it just so happened that we had caught the eye already of some private equity groups. And Kombucha, the category, had caught the eye of these private equity groups. And they, you know, they found us, we found them, and it just sort of worked Um, But we were early. So it was year two, two and a half. And we were doing only about, you know, 700,000 in revenues at that time. Um, But that was pretty impressive coming all from farmer's markets. Um, We were definitely successful for just having been in those spaces.
0: That's incredible. So you felt like the first, I mean, obviously you hadn't started a company, any of you before. So you didn't really know who you should talk to, either right? So, did yeah. you feel like no, people we were kind of? We had a whiteboard.
1: We're like, "Who are our rich friends?" Okay, yeah. we're going to call those people. I mean, really, it was. In, in many ways, I look back and I think, "Wow, we had no idea what we were doing." But isn't it cool? You don't really need to do. You don't really need to know what you're doing, um, because once you rely on your problem solving skills, which you may have learned in many places, yeah, um, and you're just sort of like innate talents and characteristics that can be enough.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to some extent, you said you do things a little bit differently, but I always say it's like, if you think too much about the end, you might not get past the beginning, right? Because you said, no, I don't want to do this. You know, you were just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall just to see what would stick, right? And I Mm -hmm. think that's what I always share with entrepreneurs is look at the friends and family first, get your product into a place where you were not just selling it in the farmer's market, but you were doing sampling and people saw the buzz, right? So you didn't have to do the sales pitch. They had seen how people were reacting to it. So I think that's also super, super helpful. And, and, you know, I've heard stories like this too, where, and, you know, this definitely happened to Hint over the years where when stores start calling you, when investors start calling you, I mean, it's a very different conversation, right? That versus you pitching it. So, if you can figure out a way to put your brand into that position, I think that it's just going to be uh, a different situation and really, really interesting to hear your perspective on that. So, you created Health Aid, and uh, with your co-founders, a lot of people think, okay founders just snapped their fingers. You know, she, <laughs> she was, Dinah was, you know, in a great job. And as far as was, she totally knew what she was doing and it's all like, it just, she was lucky or, you know, it just happened. It just ended up perfect. But we all know that isn't the case. And it, what I'd love to hear any stories that you have along the way where you just thought, what the heck am I doing?
1: Oh my God. I mean, so many stories come to mind. You know, yes, it's not glamorous in particular when you're building it. You know, when you were saying this, the story that was coming to mind was the time that I was literally choking on liquid that was exploding at me from a air compressor I had bought from Home Depot for our new filling line. I had no idea how to build it. So, you know, let me tell you the story a bit because it's a good example of like something you would never have seen on the outside looking in. So we manufacture our own kombucha. It's a big part of our business. Uh, it's a challenging part, but it ha- it pays its dividends because you can control the quality really well, and you own the manufacturing. So there's a lot of benefit to that. The challenge is you've got to scale it and um, meet the demand, uh, and that's very difficult to do because we were making it in our kitchen at first in the farmers markets, and then we went to our first kitchen, and then the next one, the next one. Fast forward to today, we have a you know hundred thousand square foot brewery in Torrance. And it's running like a charm, but yeah, I had no idea how to build that in the beginning. That was a stepwise iterative process to get there and in one of our first breweries we we were done with filling by hand, and you know we just couldn't do it anymore. We were up all hours in the night pumping kombucha literally with a, a, um with a hand pump into the bottles, and we're like, there's got to be a better solution so you know googling like. <laughs> You know beverage filling lines. We we end up finding a few companies. We interview them. We finally land on the one that's right for us. It's a hundred thousand dollars. Where are we going to get that money? This is before investment. We get the first one, but we're not going to pay to have it installed because that would be two hundred thousand dollars. So I'm going to figure it out. You know. So Justin and I we're 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 putting this thing together, doing our best. We're not mechanical, handsy, you know, uh, handyman type of people. Uh, but we're figuring it out. And, you know, lo and behold, we need some kind of air compressor to run this thing. So I go to Home Depot. I'm like, hi, sir, can you show me where the air compressors are? You know, he shows me where they are. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm looking for. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, use my intellect and whatever, land on one, hook it up to the filling line. I don't know if you know this, but if you hook up an air compressor wrong, this like black liquid shoots out at you. It's like a...
0: Yep. oil-based.
1: We've terrible. been there.
0: Yep. I know okay. exactly what well, you're talking I about. I
1: swallowed a bunch of it. <laughs> I swallowed a bunch of it. And I remember sitting there on the floor. This had been days. I had marks on my arms from carrying this stuff. Meanwhile, we're still needing to like meet the demand of the farmer's market. So it's like, this is above and beyond your normal day. Um, and, you know, this thing explodes on me and I'm just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? You know, I, I, and that's just one day, you know, that's one day or one week in the life of that building. And I could tell you a story like that with every aspect of building our company, really. I mean, it's, uh, it's almost, fu- it's funny, right? I mean, it yeah. could be a, a funny meme or something, uh, but you just don't have the, the money at that time or the experience to... hire that out. And I think we were so focused on just getting the job done that it was like, we're going to figure this out. You know, that was sort of the mentality.
0: That's crazy. I remember one of our, I haven't told this story, actually. It's it's pretty funny. Early, early days, we were looking at this plant and we're sitting at this table talking to this guy at this plant and he has a bunch of ammunition boxes behind his desk. So- I'm just staring at the, I mean, I'm trying to have a conversation with them and I just keep looking at these like ammunition boxes thinking, I mean, is it, is that the wall? Is it sort of like a, not really ammunition boxes? Is it supposed to be decorative? I, I don't know. So I'm like, yeah. do you have guns in the ammunition boxes? <laughs> <laughs> My husband looks over at me like, wait, what? What, what is she talking about? And he said, and the guy said, yeah, it's my side project. I sell guns. And I was like, huh. It, it, <laughs> I I mean, it was, you know, yeah. it was just, I'm like, what, what kind of guns do you sell? And of course, <laughs> I'm like, the weird, like... I didn't wake yep. up that morning thinking this was going to happen. I just want to co-pack right. my product, right? And bottle it. So, yeah, he went on. He said, "I I got everything. I've got AK47s. I've got all, you know, all the stuff." <laughs> I'm like, "Huh? Okay. Good." And so we never right. co-packed there though actually because we were just, I don't know, it was just like really weird. And yeah. again, like I think that's the you know, my husband and I still there's so many stories to your point where you know so many
1: stories. I mean it's endless, it's truly endless. I
0: mean it's wild, these stories. And it's part of the sickness of being a founder too, where mm-hmm. you know, especially in the early days when, you know, people won't talk to you. Not everybody's mm-hmm. gonna co pack your product or make your product, yeah. right? I so I totally get it. But I um yeah. I I love your story. That's amazing but so being an entrepreneur obviously is tough way easier ways to make money but what do you think like why do you stay are you a creator obviously you you believe in what you're doing you have a mission you have a purpose but what do you think it is that keeps you staying and going and wanting to kind of figure out this problem and scale the company
1: yeah it's a great question and i think it has evolved over time. Um, in the very beginning, my drive was to prove I could do it. Mm-hmm. I think for whatever reason in my life, I had received the message that this is something a woman can't do or doesn't do, or hmm. and I had this innate drive in me to prove that wrong so that was the drive in the beginning was sort of like, everybody's telling me I can't, I have to say that I have to show I can. And maybe even perhaps that was part of my own self saying I couldn't do it. And I had to you know squash that part of me down. I don't know exactly. I'm sure there's a whole kind of psychology to it, but that was the drive for me in the beginning. It was like life or death. You prove it. You, I had I had this drive to prove it. I don't know. And then there was a point where the business grew um, enough that it was, it was now a company of people. And as soon as it became a company of people, my drive shifted to almost like the the purpose was to serve them and to serve the business too. It was like, I kind of found myself in a role. I was CEO for the first 10 years. The business is 11 years old. So most of my career at HealthAid has been a CEO. I don't know how to explain it, except that I got up for the team. Like I got up for health aid and for the team. It was almost like a service role. Hard to explain, but maybe you can understand. It felt like my only job was to make health aid succeed and to do right by its people. Um, I wanted to build a company that people wanted to work for, that just killed it, um, that was built on unconventional or not necessarily conventional grounds, you know, like I didn't care if you had pink hair. I didn't care if you had, didn't graduate college. If you were smart problem solver, you had the right attitude. We had values that we looked for in people. If you showed those and um, that was enough. So I wanted to build that kind of company, one that was like different, new, one I could be proud of. And that was the drive for a long time. Um, A part of it along the way was to, uh, you know, Get financially free. My whole life I'd lived paycheck to paycheck. And I wanted to acquire my own wealth and be free from needing to sort of wait for that, you know, monthly paycheck to like, you know, buy that thing that I wanted. Like that was an important driver for me along the way. Um, and today, you know, why I stay is is now like a much bigger reason or i guess more mission driven like i'm super passionate about gut health i always have been but it wasn't the true driver of me starting health aid back then but it kind of is the reason i go to work now with a smile on you know i feel this desire to like close the gap um on knowledge around gut health um kombucha is you know obviously healthy for the gut but I think our platform, we've built a really strong platform of consumers. Um, we sell more than, four, you know, four or five million cases a year now at this point. So I have an ability to access people and, and possibly, you know, educate them a little bit on gut health. So that's now what kind of brings me to work. Um, I want to see HealthAid grow to be a very sort of not just big name in revenues, but um, a name that means something to people long-winded answer sorry <laughs> no I, I love it I'm sure you've had this experience
0: I I just had I was on a I just got back from vacation and I was in Martha's Vineyard and my girlfriend who had never been to Martha's Vineyard said oh let's go over to Nantucket and I'm like okay there's a ferry that goes over to Nantucket so we're on the ferry and we were sitting on the boat and these two women were both drinking hint. And they were, you know, right next, and I'm sure this has happened to you with health aid. And so the woman was like, oh my gosh, I love cherry. And then the other woman was like, oh my gosh, I love Blackberry. And then one of their friends said to them, I've never heard of Hint. What is it? Here's the founders right in front of them. And I'm just like, so curious if uh, they can describe it. And um, she said, "Oh, it's incredible! It's this unsweetened flavored water." And she was like, "I started drinking it years ago." And she said, "There's this woman who started it too." I mean, this she's sitting right next to me, and I'm like, I? "And my girlfriend is sitting next to me, and she's kind of smiling, and she was wondering if I was going to say anything." And I'm just like, "Just listening." And you know what was interesting is. It was, it was amazing to hear her talking about the brand, right? And it's like I always tell people when I was in tech or people who are in tech, it's hard because you don't have a physical product. When you have a physical product, there's something, and I'm sure you've got those stories with HealthAid as well, where consumers are, they just love it. But the fact that this consumer was owning it and saying that, you know, she tried it years ago and she knew all about it and she had taken the time to really understand it, I thought it was just fascinating.
1: Absolutely. And isn't it the greatest feeling?
0: Right. And to have a mission and have somebody grab hold of that mission and say, it's really helped me a lot to drink more water, which is what she was saying. And I'm sure you're hearing people say, you know, it's really helped them a lot with gut health or, you know, whatever they found it really helped them with. To know that you inspired people and you helped people, that's a powerful position. Right. And like you said, maybe it didn't start out there, but it's there now. It's really cool.
1: It makes all those things along the way worth it. Totally. I met somebody in an airport just last week that had our logo tattooed on her arm. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. And, and, it, and what's wilder is that's not the first one I've met with that. But like you said, it had changed her IBS issues and she's like, she just loves anchors and whatever. Anyway, I remember being like, I, uh, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, what else can you say? But it's like, it's such a powerful thing to know that you've built something that's, it has legs. It's, there's a, it's a yeah. legacy brand. I mean, it, yeah. it's um, I'm so
1: grateful. I'm so grateful for that, Kara.
0: So, so powerful. So what do you think is something that you didn't know when you started? What are like the top couple things that you would say to people who are thinking about starting a company that you learned along the way?
1: I mean, first, I just want to say that like building a company is nonstop lessons. It's nonstop falling off the horse, problem solving it. So that question is a great one, but it definitely makes you go into the place of like, oh, gosh, you know, there's trillions, probably trillions of lessons along the way or challenges or problems you have to solve. That's all it is. But yeah, I mean, the spirit of the question I get, and I think I alluded to one in the beginning when I said um, we were inexperienced and by the time we ran out of cash, it was too late. And so it's related to that. I think given we didn't have experience in finance and running a P&L, uh, and l in a business, finance, like your finances and your accounting, it's an easy thing to put on the back burner, when you build a business. And I think when I do it again, uh, I will not do that (laughs) because, because, you know, not only is cash king and when it's too late, it's too late to raise money. But when I hired my first true CFO, I realized I was like five years too late in doing that. And so that's one I would definitely share as a big lesson. Um, We had a strong finance lead, I guess you'll call it, Um, who kept the books in order and closed the books on time. And we had stuff to deliver to the board. So there was no red flags. But what I learned a true CFO does is helps you, you know, manage cash, get cash well before you're in need, um, forecast properly, help you really see what's ahead, you know, good, bad, ugly, choose your adventure plan. Like, I mean, There's, it's truly a co-pilot when you find a strong CFO. And when I got that into my business, we turned profitable within a year. We, uh, you know, were able to forecast properly. I I started to see, whoa, my business unlocked when I hired that CFO and I should have done it five years prior. So that's one lesson. Well, and a good CFO. Um,
0: I mean, that's that's the other piece of it because I think like, you know, you can hire somebody who... Plays the part, um, but is not actually doing all the things that you're identifying as, you know, critical.
1: Fair, yeah. And then in there is a mini lesson of don't wait till you need cash to get cash. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. Because then you're in distress, and it's very difficult to raise money on amenable terms or get money, debt money, anything. Whenever you need it, it's too late. So you got to be so far ahead thinking. Uh, with capital. And then I think the second is more of a personal one, and I think would apply to even beyond entrepreneurs. And that's just one of where does yourself fall into the priority list? Um, being a founder, you know, if you want to throw parenthood into that and anybody in a busy job with a lot of responsibilities, I think can probably relate. Um, but sometimes it's easy to put yourself at the end. And, you know, over time, you start to, you know, experience all kinds of bad things. And, you know, the umbrella term would be burnout. But I had that. I had that along the way. And I was losing my mojo. I was losing what made me happy. I'd really lost myself in the journey, giving it almost all to health aid and my two kids um, who were very, very young babies. Um, And I just had to learn to build that back. And when I did, it's simple. What you feed grows, right? So I just had to simply carve out time for me. Not easy, but simple. When I did that, you know, the business didn't suffer. Nobody suffered. The only person suffering with me not doing that was me. So it was a real lesson to like, I'm never going to go back to that place where I am selflessly giving to my business, where perhaps the identity of the business is no different than my own identity. So the lesson there is it's important for you to have your own identity outside the business Important for you to still give yourself the things your you know your body needs to be yourself, to be your best self. Otherwise, everything kind of crumbles and it's, it's just not worth it. That is such great advice. And I think it's
0: so often that people forget that. And I think especially hearing it from fellow founders, it's just it's such an important piece. So well, thank you for all of this. We will put information about you on how to connect and health aid in the show notes as well. It was such a pleasure, Dinah. You are just like amazing, amazing. You're somebody who's come up with an idea, scaled an idea. I mean, so beautiful in so many ways. So thank you again. And thanks for such an honest conversation as well. Thank you so much, Dinah. Thank you, Kara.